You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com. What if you're my co-host every single time, Isaac? What if that was the case? <laughs> Isaac's still mad at me that probably our second most listened to podcast ever he was not a part of. What? Well, the dog? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be hilarious, though. No, the DeAndre one. Oh, because I wasn't about to record on a Sunday. <laughs> like, super late. <laughs> yeah, or no, it was... It was well, late. Enough. It, was, it was like 1 a.m. or something. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, early, early Sunday morning. So I was like, oh, we can wait 24 hours. It's no big deal. Nope. Can't wait. The news doesn't wait. The news cycle continues. You got the dog walker as wasn't he on? Yeah, it was it was, it was Bryce. <laughs> He's gonna be known forever as the dog guy. What if that's his last locked on Mavs appearance ever? <laughs> was about dogs. <laughs> he would be totally fine with that, I think. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about what ifs because today in this whole week and next week is what if week. What if on locked on Mavs? So. We're going to do a whole bunch of different topics. We're super excited about this series. We're uh, we're excited to dive in. I'm excited to do some research. Like I'm excited to dive back in. Even the research I was doing today that we're, we're talking about 2011. Even going back and doing that research, it was fun to do that and to see, you know, like, like you were saying earlier, what the salary cap was and the, the trades that were made and who was traded and who was good back then and which teams were on the rise and all this kind of stuff. So we're excited to look back. We're going to talk about two different things in this whole series talk about the context so we'll give you the whole context around you know what was happening that around that time what was going on um and then we'll give you the ripple effects so what kind of all throughout the league all these different decisions have all these different ripple effects that affect all these different teams so we'll start we'll start to try to unpack all of that and we'll do it in a whole bunch of different ways so this first one that we're doing today is what if 2011 what if the I'll title it this way. What if the 2011 title season was different? And different, Mm. it can be in a couple different ways. So different, we'll talk about what if the Mavericks had lost in 2011? Or what if they won, but they kept Tyson, kept the team together, tried to, you know, run it back, basically, which everyone... Everyone always brings up to us like, what if, what if they, what if, they, what if they run it back, man? Like, what, like, like, yeah. what if they kept, you know? I always get somebody talking to me about that at a game or somewhere, and it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting what if, and so that's why we're doing that today. We got a whole bunch of other ones planned. Obviously, we're going to talk about Nash. We're going to talk about 2006 title season. Uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, just a whole bunch of different stuff. And then the listeners on at Locked on Mavs gave us a whole bunch of different ideas. So we'll do a mailbag, like rapid fire one on Friday of next week. So we'll go through all of those. So if you sent one in, we'll definitely get to it. 
uh, or we'll, we'll try to get to it. There's there was I mean almost forty. There's almost forty responses, and almost all of them were different. So there's all kinds of different ones. So we have to go super rapid fire through that one. But it'll be a bunch of different ones. It's it's an awesome topic. I love doing what ifs. We love the hypothetical. We love going over like oh what if this happened or you know you obviously no. If you've listened at all to Lockdown Maps, you know that we love hypothetical trades. We love yes. coming up with fake trades. It's one of our favorite things to do. So. There's a couple trades in this as well, so we'll get to talk about those. But uh, but yeah, strap in, get ready. It's what if week. It's hypothetical week. It's August, so we're almost there. <laughs> <It's> August. <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is our series. Last year, like we've mentioned before, we did our finals flashback. So if you're interested in that, if you want to listen to the finals flashback, you can go listen back on those. It's a year ago, probably about right now. It's yeah, and it, it's and we're not going to just focus on like the negatives also because yeah. A lot of times people will look at it and say, you know, like the Giannis one. We're we're going to do a Giannis one. But, like, what if they drafted Giannis? I'm like, man, that's going to just be – this is just going to be two weeks of torture of, like, what if the Mavs did did blank awesome decision. It's not that. We're going to actually take some decisions or things that happen great in saying, just like today, we're going to talk about what if they lost in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What would have happened outside of that, the greatest moment in franchise history. So, yeah, it's going to be a back-and-forth thing of – good and bad stuff how the franchise and stuff uh, could have looked different and obviously it's important to note this is going to be all all of our opinions like yeah. this isn't like we obviously don't know what exactly would happen so nick and i will share like how we think um things would have played out or what we think would have happened but i know you know it's okay if you think different uh, than what nick and i do yeah and we weren't covering the team back then either so yes, so like we weren't flash. as close then we don't have a ton of inside info you know that kind of stuff so there obviously could be a lot of different things that you know would have changed or blah, blah, blah behind the scenes stuff but from what we know from every everything that's been reported and it's out there i read a bunch trying to get caught up with all this uh let's do it so all right the context the 2011 title season, obviously, if you've been a Mavericks fan for any length of time and you have any consciousness that stems all the way back to 2011, you know that the Mavericks won the title in 2011, 4-2 over the Miami Heat. This was the first Miami Heat team that LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade were part of, the Eric Spolster coach. Wait, who was that first player you mentioned? LeBron. Okay, that's right. I I knew like that was he was part of the team that lost. I was just saying. <laughs> The team where LeBron was guarded by J.J. Beret in the fourth quarter of one of the clinching games. That and, LeBron. Uh, <laughs> that LeBron. Yes. Who scored one. nine points in a finals game against the Mavericks. Wait, is he the GOAT? No, no. I didn't think it was that. Is person. that your GOAT? Is that your GOAT? <laughs> is that y'all's GOAT? What? All right, keep on going. <laughs> so they lost to that team. They call, A lot of people call them the Heatles. <laughs> that was that team. And that team, going back doing our finals flashback, we realized how little talent that team really had. Had besides Stop. those three dudes like it was joel anthony mario chalmers and then those three guys <laughs> and you're like holy cow that team didn't really have anything except for those three dudes they started to add guys later like ray allen and mike miller and you know guys like that but the first team was they were sucking wind when it comes to depth which happens if you try to assemble a team like that but uh so they they win the title and then the, then there's a lockout so not a ton happened. Basically, uh, June they could make some moves, but July, and then you know all the way through until even until like December, there was this lockout. They were trying to figure out the CBA. They were trying to figure out what you know to create a new CBA, which is collective bargaining agreement. The players' association, and then the the league has to come to an agreement. They have to 
sign off on how much of the percentage of, of annual revenue that the team gets or that players get. And so that's always the number that you're hearing from, you know, salary cap guys that say, well, the, the league, the players get 51% and the players used to get 58% and, you know, all this stuff. You hear all these numbers thrown around. This is what they're arguing. This is what they're trying to figure out. So they're trying to figure out a CBA to, to sign and to agree on. And they finally do it. There, you know, there's a lot of talk that year. I remember listening to podcasts, listening to guys that, that the season might have been canceled. I mean, people. It was it got to that point at certain times, and you know, the negotiations like that wax and wane. There's different, you know, it flares up and it calms down, and you know, things like that. But uh, I always thought there was going to be a season. And I remember the uh, the starters before they were the starters. It was the uh, the basketball Jones, and they worked for the score, and they did this thing called the No Season Required Tour, where they just went to different cities and they talked about basketball and did like live shows while the season wasn't going on. It was I thought that was just like so ingenious that they went and did that, uh, and so random. <laughs> and you would know that <laughs> so random. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting time. The season finally happened, and then the Heat go on to win that that next title in uh, in 2012 over the Thunder. That that young up and coming Thunder team, where you look back and they had Durant and Westbrook and Harden and Ibaka, and they were all you know probably under what 24, 25 years old, and they were all you know in their rookie deals. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. Those guys uh, coming up that way. But uh, a lot happened with the Mavericks, too, in that, in that stretch. And uh, we'll talk about the Mavericks, and we'll talk about how, we'll talk about how their roster kind of shaped up between that 2011 title season, winning the title, and then going into that next season, the lockout season, how their roster changed. But we'll talk about that in just one second. Okay, so after the Mavericks win the title, they make they make one little move. They trade for Rudy Fernandez, who never ends up playing for the Mavericks. <laughs> he ends up going back to Spain pretty much after he got traded again to the uh, to the Nuggets. He could have been an interesting piece. I, I always liked him. I liked him for yeah. the Blazers. I thought he was a good role player, but uh, he have, n- never ends up really making the team or, or playing on the team. And then, like we mentioned, the Mavericks were kind of frozen out from doing any kind of, you know, the players and coaches. The players and coaches couldn't even talk, right? Like, they couldn't do any official team activities or anything. And so, finally, when everything opens up, they sign the CBA, they make it work. Then they're allowed to make trades, and this is when just everything went crazy. There was like a a seven-day span when just all this crazy stuff (laughs) was happening. The Mavericks were just making all these different kinds of moves. And I have all these moves basically the Mavericks made. I don't have them in the direct order, but from the 2011 title season, these are the only players that remained the same on the Mavericks. Isaac, do you know who they are? Um, the only ones that stayed. I mean, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Marion. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cardinal. Yep. The custodian. And then probably Mahini and Brendan Haywood, Brendan Haywood and Roddy B. Roddy B. Yeah. Those are the only seven that remain the same. That's pretty wild because that's only – you got four rotation players. Roddy B, who was you know, an up-and-coming like young player. Haywood, who was like a you know, fine backup. And then Cardinal, who was like your victory cigar. <laughs> kind of yeah, because they had six free agents outside of trades. They had six free agents heading into the offseason. And, you know, that was the – what the heck does Dallas do? They win this title, and we'll talk about that title run in a little bit. And then, hey, like – it was just such a unique team, and it, it 
to me it's not like a bias thing but like it's one of the most unique championship teams in NBA history of just the standalone championship season of this you don't want to like I don't want to undersell this championship team this whole podcast but like of this like cast of characters pretty much around Dirk and yes they're all-stars former all-stars and kid and Jet and how good Jet was back then and Tyson and stuff like that but Sean Marion yeah, Sean Marion, one of the most underrated players of all time, in my yeah. opinion. And, like, so, like, they just had this decision to make, like, hey, do we bring everybody back and run it back? We just won the title. and Or do we, like, look at a bigger picture over the next season or two in Dirk's prime of saying, hey, what is the best way to get back? And... We obviously, I mean, Nick's going to walk you through like what they do, but like six free agents, Pajor, or Pajor is one of them, but he retires. They bring yeah. back Bar- Brian Cardinal. He's the only one they bring back of the six free agents. The <laughs> yeah. other four are gone. Yeah, so the rest of them, the other four, Tyson Chandler essentially does a sign-in trade and goes to New York for a four-year, $58 million contract, which sounds so small right now. Like, <laughs> Doesn't that just sound so small when you look back four years, 58 million? Like, I mean, just random wings get that now in today's NBA. Yeah. yeah. What'd you say the salary cap was that year? Fit. All right. So, so like, it, so this is what, well, it's going to be, a, it's a bigger story too, but like with the CBA coming into play, the new one in like, just there's a bunch of different money stuff. There were some changes in like luxury tax stuff with repeated offenders and stuff like that. And, like, Dallas had been one of these teams that had went over the luxury tax forever. Like, I have I have our buddy Jonathan Charks that wrote uh, for SB Nation back then. I found this old article of his talking about the Mavericks. He said, during the 51 seasons from 2001 to 2011, Cuban spent more than $1 billion in salaries and luxury tax penalties, according to uh, Patricia Bender of... You know, in his story, but like that's the thing. Like Dallas wait, had wait, been. Wait, hold on, did you say billion with the B? That's what it says in his story, and that's a that's over a course of ten seasons of luxury tax penalties and salaries. Billions. So like that's the that's the state that Dallas that's was just in. Going back in the league's pocket, man. What are they doing with that? <laughs> they just kept on kept on spending. That's spending, why we spending. have a G League. <laughs> so when this new CBA comes in and says, hey, like the luxury tax, if you keep on doing it, it's going to increase your penalties. So it did change some things. But like what Nick was saying about salary cap back then, salary cap was $58 million. Yeah, it was 101 <laughs> this past year. <laughs> That's crazy. Like $58 million was the salary cap in 2011. Curry is going to make $37 million next year. <laughs> He's gonna be the highest paid player in the NBA. Thirty-seven that, million. That's <laughs> it's just—it's insane. Gosh! And the end of Westbrook's the end of Westbrook's deal. He's gonna be making like forty-three. That's wild. That's like almost the whole salary cap. That's <laughs> like eighty-five percent of the salary cap. That's so wild from back then. Uh, but yeah, and the the luxury tax essentially is trying to dissuade teams and it's essentially trying to make more parity, right? You're trying to knock yeah. off those top teams and the guy and the, you know, the owners with the big pockets, like, like Cuban, like, you know, you know, some other owners that are willing just to spend all the time, like the Warriors guys, you know, Joe Lacobs and guys like that, trying to dissuade them from paying so much because these guys are smart with their money. They, they became billionaires for a reason. 
And you're, you know, Cuban paid that billion dollars over the 10 years in luxury tax and stuff. And that doesn't really help your team. That, those are just taxes. <laughs> you know, it's not even really a tax, right? It's not like calling it a tax just sounds like it's required because we yeah. talk about taxes and, oh, will these politicians lower my taxes? But these are essentially just fees, <laughs> right? Like yeah. this is just like an overspending fee. It's, it's kind of like an overdraft fee, really. You know, like the overdraft fee, you know, you overspend your account and then all of a sudden this overdraft fee takes more money out. <laughs> so you're just even broker than you were before. But uh, so Cuban pays all this and the team in the, the league wanted to kind of dissuade that, dissuade the people, the teams from the top, overpaying for guys, bringing in just whoever they wanted, kind of making what the Yankees had in baseball for a while, just paying, paying yeah. and paying all these guys and just creating this, you know, dynasty just because they, you know, make the most money. And so they create those, which I think have been good. I think it, it helps teams at the bottom teams in the middle tried to, you know, at least be relevant, have a chance at some of these guys. Um, you know, the Kevin Durant thing obviously happened because <laughs> the, the cap jumped so much. And so you didn't really need the uh, the tax there. But, but uh, so, yeah, so that happens. And then these are the other guys that left. So Tyson Chandler doesn't get paid what he wanted from the Mavericks. There's a lot of negotiations. But he uh, gets signed a four-year, $58 million contract to go to the Knicks. It was essentially a, a, a sign-and-trade. The Mavericks didn't really get anything out of it. Cuban offered two years, by the way. Yeah, Tyson yeah. got four. Yeah, so he wanted that that stability. He was 29 years old at the time, and so kind of wanted that stability. Bigs don't usually last that much, and he was kind of a slower big, and he's still around. <laughs> you know, he's, he's still on a roster. He's still making, what, like 14? He's still making. <laughs> I looked up his career earnings um, a few oh, days ago. Should we play his career salary? This is a Dan Patrick game. He always, he always plays, let me guess, career salary. Like um, all of it combined? $180 million. Very close. It's like one seventy five. Ooh, it's a lot of money. Dang, dang. Yeah, because so, I mean, pretty from from two thousand seven, from the oh seven oh eight season until now, he's been making a double digit per year. Gosh. So he started from then and went ten, eleven, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen, thirteen, twelve, thirteen. That's a, those add up after a long time. Oh, do they? I <laughs> <laughs> the other players that were basically essentially let go by the Mavericks. Deshaun Stevenson signs a one-year deal with the Nets to go into their room exception, which is $2.5 million. Karan Butler signs a three-year, $24 million deal with the Clippers. A lot of people, people forget, forget that Karan, yes. <laughs> they forget that Karan Butler was part of that Mavericks team. but And not, was, not only part, but like a huge, huge part of yeah, that team. Like when he went down, that was Matt. He went down early in the season. I think he played less than like 20 games or something in the 2011 season. And when he went down, that was massive. Like he was, you know, they're starting three, and it was just this huge blow to the team. Yep. And uh, J.J. Barea goes and signs a four-year, $19 million deal with the uh, Timberwolves. And then Isaac mentioned earlier that Peja Stojakovic, um retired, so he didn't come back. And so essentially you have you know, this team that just gets gutted by all these different players. But they would have spent a ton to try to bring that team back. Uh, if you look at the guys that they tried to replace him with, uh, the infamous, the infamous Lamar Odom deal, where Lamar Odom comes to the uh, the Mavericks, and I found a Bleacher Report article about uh, Lamar Odom getting traded to the Mavericks. <laughs> Lamar Odom to the Mavericks. Dallas robs Los Angeles Lakers blind in trade. Wow, <laughs> that doesn't look so good. <laughs> on, There's some. Uh, 
very interesting stories about Lamar Odom uh, within the Dallas Mavericks organization uh, during his time here. Oh, for sure. So they they get Lamar Odom. He's like eight point nine million dollars. They send like a first round pick that ended up going to the Thunder actually, uh, and it was it <laughs> it was Mitch McGarry that ended up being drafted with the pick that the Mavericks sent. That's random. <laughs> so he got ended up uh, sent all around the place. And then uh, they also sent uh, an eight like an eight point nine million dollar trade exception or something like that. And so they get Lamar Odom it looks like this awesome deal I think he had just won six man of the year recently like within the last two years or so he was Lamar Odom was you know a great player for the for the Lakers he was part of their title runs in uh in all three of those years with Powell and Kobe he was like this he was essentially like Ben Simmons is right now he's kind of this like bigger wing that can handle the ball really well and a pretty good passer and you know he can play the he can play the three or the four and go back and forth obviously different athlete than simmons but but uh, kind of like that kind of guy just a bigger guy that handles and passes and does all that kind of stuff and so he was he was a really really good player for them so the mavericks it looked like they were getting you know a really good deal you can play you know maybe dirk at the five lamar odom at the four or something like that and uh and kind of change you know could have changed the game at that point but he ends up not panning out at all. Vince Carter, they signed him to a $3 million deal. That's the mini-mid level at that point. And so he essentially replaced Deshaun Stevenson um, with that deal. And then the Mavericks signed Delonte West, which Isaac asked me before we recorded, what's the most surprising story or the story that you forgot happened uh, while doing research about this topic? And... <laughs> Forgot this story about Delonte West. Not about yeah. LeBron's. Not about LeBron's. Mind. I was ready for this. One. I was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> no, I can't forget that. How can you forget that? Um, there was a game where Delonte West gave Gordon Hayward a wet willy <laughs> on the court. <laughs> There's a gif of this, I think. Definitely, that has to be a gif. <laughs> but do you remember that he got a technical for it? Oh, I didn't. Know. I don't remember that. And he was also fined twenty five thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gordon Hayward has like a little mini shag and stuff too. Yeah, Gordon fun. Hayward has like this this you know long hair at the time and he looks super young. And then uh, there's a story from Gordon Hayward that uh, <laughs> he's quoted and said, "I wanted to fight him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was also a story about Delonte West that at the beginning of the season he was essentially homeless and he was sleeping in the Mavericks locker room hmm. at the beginning of the season. So that dude had an interesting, interesting season. He played like forty-four games that year and started thirty-three of them for the Mavs. So yeah, he had a decent role for sure. Yeah, just just a weird, just a weird <laughs> guy though. Uh, so that's that's kind of all the big moves that they made. They they got Lamar Odom, they signed Vince Carter, they get Delonte West, they uh, they never really replaced Tyson really, and uh, and so the team goes on without him. They went they you know win they're over five hundred. They went thirty six out of their you know sixty six games that they played that season, and uh, yeah. So man, that's they the chose- roster. The roster completely just completely changed kind of overnight over the, like a week. Yeah, so they they chose a on a bigger picture on a uh, on a mega picture frame of it. They just chose future stability over they had this decision to make to lock in this really aging uh, but this middle age core alongside Dirk or do they open up this flexibility? We just want a title. 
we're we have Dirk, one of the best players in the league. Do we have this allure to bring in uh, more free agents? And so when they went into this like negotiation thing, like when you look up articles, just look up some of these articles. Even going into the next season, and I'll talk about it in just a second, like 2012 free agency. Look at some of the articles. Just type in like J.J. Barea signs with uh, Minnesota. Tyson Chandler signs with the Knicks. Karan Butler signs with you know the Clippers. Type in, look at these articles being written and the reports coming out. Almost every single one of them said, well, I wanted to be back with the Mavericks, but I was only getting offered one-year deals. Like J.J. Barea was yeah. only getting offered one-year deal. Karan Butler, only a one-year deal. Like that, And it's not like they were, I mean, $5 million now per year like Barea got. It sounds like, you know, chump change uh, for now, but it was a little bit more back then. But still, like, that was the different, that was the philosophy. And that's why when Mavericks fans look back at it and they say, man, they a lot of Mavericks fans get really, really mad about this and say, why didn't we bring the team back? We just won a title. Why didn't he just, why did they just went to go to our guys, the guys that we grew to love just a few months before that, that won us a title and to pray and all this stuff. And said, hey, we only want to offer Tyson Chandler two years, Berea one year, and say, hey, like this is we want to take the short term approach if you want to come back. And obviously they took money and went elsewhere. They wanted the long term deals and they deserved them. That's one of the biggest debated things that among fans of like what should have happened. And that's kind of what led to our this podcast of our the what if today of what if you know they they actually dished it out. What if they looked at it and said, and Cuban in the front office agreed with a lot of the fans that said, you know what, we want a title, let's bring everybody back. Let's dish out the money, let's put the money on the table and say, let's hand out the money to Tyson, let's bring back J.J. Brea, and let's run it back with our squad. What would have happened? It almost to me looks like, if you look back at these moves that they made, it almost looks like they lost. You know what I mean? Like they lost, and so then they tried to f- change a whole bunch of stuff up. They changed, you know. Their so which what if you want to do first? Well, I'm, because I'm saying you're leading, because you're leading down a path that is kind of similar to what I was getting ready to say. No, I'm just saying, like from, from these moves, like it just looks like this is a team that had lost. You make this huge yeah. trip, this huge trade that changes. Like if the Lamar Odom thing works out, which if it had. It would have been totally different, you know. Like the the team just would have been totally different, and this it could have looked, I don't know, like it, it was a big risk move, really. Um, but if it had worked out, then you you change the complete con, you know, the the whole complex of your team, really. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're gonna play like Dirk, Marion, Odom, uh, Kid, and then probably Vince Carter in crunch time. Like that probably probably would have been your crunch time at that point. And, uh, and since Dirk's such a good shooter, that would have worked out well. And so you're changing the whole complex of your team. And that's what a team does when they lose. Like, they go into the finals and lose, and then you kind of change it all up. But instead, they won. <laughs> and they changed it all up because of the money. Uh, so let's do, like, uh, let's do what if they had, had kept the team together. So uh, so they, you know, they, had, they did win, and they tried to keep the whole team together. You know, Cuban pays so much like a ton for this team like it would have been just an incre- let's just say he pays what they got yeah yeah if they paid if they had paid what everybody else they got everywhere else which part of winning a title is you lose a lot of these guys because they're on this big stage they're in front of all these people they're in front of all these eyes um 
you see them probably at their best because they're playing in crunch time. They're playing in these these big, you know, these big time minutes. And so they go off and they sign somewhere else. Like, hey, that guy could be if in a bigger role on our team, he could be a guy like like JJ Barea. The Timberwolves look at that guy and we're like, man, with a bigger role, he could be this. So the Nets looked at him and be like, hey, Deshaun Stevenson, we could use that guy. Or the Knicks looked at Tyson Chandler and we're like, man, that dude completely changed the whole you know yeah. culture of this team. And so let's bring him in and try to fix our culture because let's we put him with Amari and Melo. Yeah, and because we gonna... screwed it up all over again. Yeah, like and, no way JJ Barea gets four years, nineteen million if they don't win the title. That's just yeah, I mean, yeah, probably not. That ain't uh, happened. Also, by the way, another story that I saw while researching this: JJ Barea was on his first Miss Universe at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so yeah. So, what if they had kept everybody at the prices that they uh, went to other teams? So, assuming, like, let's look at the salary. All right, so it's fifty-eight million in cap. That I mean, that's a, that's your salary cap. Let's say, let's say they bring back Tyson at what he you know signed with New York, which was uh, which ironically fifty eight million over four years. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think it's like thirteen um, round up to fourteen. So just these five players, okay. Dirk is at twenty one million. Let's just say they bring Dirk and I mean they bring Tyson and JJ Brea back in two thousand eleven at the current deals they did. I'm not even talking about Stevenson or whatever. Just these five players. Dirk's at twenty-one million, which is a ton of money when your caps when your cap salary caps at fifty-eight million. Sean Marion's at eight point six. Tyson's at fourteen. Like I'm just rounding up to fourteen because it's thirteen point something. Yeah, yeah. JJ Brea's at four, and Brendan Haywood's at eight. Because a lot of people gotta remember too, like Dallas did not replace Tyson. They let Tyson walk, and they put their faith and trust in Brendan Haywood um, stepping into that role, uh, yeah. which. That's, you know, funny. So Dirk, Sean. <laughs> it's funny. Like, okay, so assuming they bring back Tyson and Berea, Dirk, Sean Marion, Tyson, Berea, and Haywood add up to $56 million. That's it. That's your team. Just those five <laughs> players. We're not counting Jet. We're not counting Jason Kidd. We're not counting any of these dudes. So, like, this is what. And Kidd and Terry were making $21 million combined that year. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing of, obviously, the luxury tax, you would be going right. So, that's another thing to think about. When What if that happens? The new CBA comes into play in that 2011. They start back up in December. And a part of that new CBA is this new, like, hey, we're going to, you know, repeat offenders here. We're going to repeat. Is a repeat offenders the right terminology for this? <laughs> They call it the repeater tax. So yeah, repeat uh, repeat offenders. Yeah, I guess. I I feel like I'm like calling them criminals or something. Like so, like they, you know, they're gonna charge them more. That's really bad having having that terminology on a Mavericks podcast right now in this day and age. So, and a lot of it played into, and this is another thing. I mean, this is the bigger picture of why it they didn't do the you know the big deals for Tyson Berea whatever. They wanted to chase Deron Williams or Darren Williams in 2012. Yeah, there's another story I read that Delonte West was talking it, talking Darren Williams into playing with Dirk, and that was in 2012. <laughs> so like that's the that was the whole thing. That was he's the Dallas kid. Like he like he he was 
some fans right now don't remember or don't even like think about yeah. the debate of Darren Williams and Chris Paul about who's the it best point real. guard in it the league. It was really real. That was so real. Like Darren Williams was so good, dude. For like with Carlos Boozer and those, he was twenty and ten team. every single year for like five years. Oh my gosh, man! Like I mean, he was so good from Dallas. They, you know, a lot of people were reporting that like he was very interested in coming here. Like that was, you know, and that played into, hey, we want to chase that next name. So like if they brought everyone back, the Darren Williams chase doesn't happen because you don't have the money. So when looking at, <clears throat> uh, let me pull this up. So I have this old SheridanHoops.com. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Sheridan. In 2012, it says the Mavericks want Darren Williams and could only afford to tender him a maximum deal if it used its one-time amnesty clause. Tender. <laughs> and the amnesty sh- clause happens because they signed the new CBA. They give everybody one mulligan, essentially. So one contract awesome. you had signed before the, the before the CBA enacted, then you can get rid of that player. So in 2012, the, you know, the year after, obviously, <laughs> 2011 summer, you know, they didn't have Tyson Brea. If they wanted to give Darren Williams a max contract, they were going to have to use the amnesty on either Marion or Haywood, which they'd probably use it on Haywood. And then that's not even including Jason Kidd and, and Terry, Jason and Jason Terry. They're both free agents at that point. So they're going to, they're trying to put all their, you know, their money into that. So if, if Tyson and Brea, let's just say, you know, they, Tyson and Brea add up to like 18 to 20 million. That's eighteen to twenty million that's on your books. That chase doesn't even happen. So I think the bigger question is you don't have big your your sights set on big free agency in 2012. I think the biggest thing is do you, if you kept them together, does that mean Jason Terry and Jason Kidd are back in 2012? And I want to lean towards yes, because they're not gonna be any other options. <laughs> because at that point, yeah. At that point, you're already paying the luxury tax, so you can't bring in somebody else, and you you have their rights, so you can just bring them back and say, you know what, we already ran it back last year, we're gonna run it back again because we can't really get better than them because, you know, we can't bring in somebody else to go over the tax. We can re-sign them and bring them back. On a win perspective, I mean, if we're just being real, if they brought them back, they're probably not winning, getting to the finals the next year. Yeah, because that next team, they get swept in the first round by the Thunder. <laughs> yeah, and so in real life, in real life, the, the Mavericks without Tyson, without JJ, you know, without you know, even Karan Butler. Like we even mentioned, Karan Butler signing uh, with the with the Clippers. If he had come back, that would have gave him a different aspect. But all that, all that stuff, the actual Mavericks get swept in the first round by the Thunder, who end up going to the finals and losing to the Heat. So do they? Do they finish? They won. They went thirty six and thirty in the lockout season, in the 2011-2012 season without Tyson and Berea. If they bring them back, I think we both agree that they they do better, right? A better record. Yes. Yeah. 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 They were thirty six and thirty. You know, that's just above five hundred. So they they'd probably do better than that. So like my thing is, and I'm not like underselling this team at all. You know me. I'm I'm a homer most of the time. They're not making it to the finals with that same team. Not with a – when they put out Kevin Durant and them the year before, Durant was 22, Westbrook was 22, Harden was 21, and Ibaka Jeez. was 21. Like We think. 
<laughs> we think uh, his knees were not. Ibaka but, was one of the first. The like he was the the guy before Thon Maker, where we were like, you know, making fun of how old we thought he was. <laughs> yeah, that was true. He was the Thon before Thon. Um, but like, like, so yeah, like if they kept the band together, they're probably getting put out again in the next playoffs before the finals. Um, I don't think they get past that, that OKC team. I know that you know people look at them and say, "Hey, well, they beat the crap out of them the year before in the playoffs, and they did, and rightfully so." But I think, I think that it was still in the back of their minds of saying, "You know what? We beat them now, but this team is going to be beyond scary for the next multiple years." Look at these, you know, three to four guys and in, in KD and Harden and Westbrook and Ibaka, and I, I just don't think so. Like if they brought it back together, I think they still get put out before the finals. And at that point, you go into 2012 free agency, and you don't have the money uh, for for Darren Williams and to even chase that. So then you have the, you know, you have free agency and kid and Jason Terry, and you got to figure all that stuff out. So I don't the, like <laughs> if they would have kept them though, they would have been better in the regular season. They would have had a different draw for sure. So maybe they're not playing the Thunder yeah. in the first or even the second round. Maybe they're playing. You know, like other teams that were in there were the you know the Lakers, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Clippers. You know, like teams like that. Um, so maybe they, you know, the, the Spurs. By the way, they were killing people. <laughs> they swept the the Jazz and the Clippers. The Jazz who had Darren Williams. The Clippers who had um, at that point they did have Chris Paul because um, the Lakers <laughs> that veto Lakers trade didn't happen. But uh, they swept both those teams and then got Could beat we- by the Thunder. So can we can we transition because this yeah this is a this is a great time to take a break though okay let's take a break and we'll talk about the second one. all right so we're in agreement that if they keep the team together we think they're better than next season but they're kind of screwed in the future <laughs> you know like the opportunities that the Mavericks had to try to get better. Um, which because, they, which they didn't hit. They didn't really hit on any of these free agents. You know, we, the big joke about the Mavericks the last, you know, even six years or so has been the big fish, the big fish. They can't land the big fish. And uh, with Darren Williams and Dwight Howard and Carmelo and, you know, whoever they try to add, and it just doesn't work. We agree that they're going to be better, but we don't think that they would, you know, even get to the finals the next year. Because I think also the Spurs were so good. Like if the yeah. Mavericks had run into the Spurs that next year, they would have had a tough time with them. Well, I'm I'm gonna bring up some of these teams in just in just a second because I think it plays into their decision making. The Tyson Chandler decision to not bring him back or to bring him back was ultimately deciding on is Tyson Chandler going to be our second star for Dirk in his prime, and like that was the thing because. In 2000, with the salary cap, the salary cap stayed at like that 58 to 59 range for like three or four years there. In 2012-13, Dirk was slated to make 20.9 million, so pretty much 21 million. Tyson Chandler's at 13.6. In 2013-2014, Dirk's at 22.7, Tyson's at 14.1. So you are committing that. 30 I mean do do your math there you're committing that 35 to 37 million of your 58 million in cap space to those two guys so and Tyson's what you said his age while ago 20 I had 20, it down 29 at the time 29 at the time so they had to 
it is deciding. And for them to look back, and I'm going to bring it all the way back to current. And this is one of my biggest questions for the Mavericks heading into the next season or two is, who is going to be your second star for Luka Doncic? And if if it's not Dennis, then you got to figure it out. Because I think that was the boat that the Dallas, that the Mavericks were in with Dirk of saying, we won this title, but look at these other teams. OKC has their four young guys at 22 years old, basically. The Clippers, the Clippers traded for Chris Paul in that, like, the winter there. that Like, the 2011, yeah. like... So like and even before that, they had young Blake Griffin, they had DeAndre back then, Karan Butler, when he signed with the Clippers, he was all excited about this young core, and then they went out and got Chris Paul. Memphis had these had all these guys under 26 year old, Mark Gasol, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph. They were in the playoffs then. Like they put out the Spurs one of those years. Yeah. And then you look and then you still look at the Lakers and Spurs back then. Your Lakers still had Kobe and like Pau Gasol. Andrew Bynum was like crazy, one of the best players. Yeah, best people centers forget. The they look at Andrew Bynum and he was a, a you know, he's a meme and the hair and all that stuff and the Sixers, but Andrew Bynum was all NBA one year. Like first team all NBA. It was him Dude or Dwight was, Howard, who's the best center in the league. You know, that was seriously. the debate. Like Yeah, that was and, like the Chris Paul Darren Williams kind of thing. Yeah, and we laugh about it now. And then you obviously look at the Spurs. This was pre Kawhi Leonard Spurs, and you know they go. Well, no, twenty twelve was was twenty year old Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, well, twenty twelve. They get Leonard right after that. So like, you know, and they have the Duncan Ginobili stuff. And for the for Dallas to look back and say, I mean, you have to realistically ask yourself: Look at these teams in the West, especially look at OKC, and even look at the East. They're saying we played first year LeBron Wade and Bosh. Yeah, you never knew that. You never knew if they were going to break up at some point. But this is the first year of them. They're probably going to be here for multiple years. Can this can this cast of veterans beat this team again? And they had probably. all they had all signed like four year deals too. Yeah, and then you look at the OKC team that you just saw up close and personal in the playoffs, knowing that man, these guys just grew up a lot. Like this yeah. was their first big playoff like moment. They grew up a lot, and and they did. They just ran, you know, they ran through, and they had a really impressive 2012 playoffs. So in the Mavericks' mind is, who is going to be the next star for Dirk Nowitzki to play alongside of him to get him back to the finals? And I, I, you know, I agree with them. Like, this is not one of the situations of all of our what ifs that I sit back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm mad. Like the Steve Nash one, I get frustrated thinking about that and researching that at the Mavericks for <laughs> yeah. letting him go. Like we should not have let him go. But I feel like I am in the minority of saying. I think we played our cards like right that off season. Like I don't blame them. I don't blame the front office saying, you know what, we don't have that second star for Dirk. And instead of like committing to these, you know, cast of veterans for the next, Dirk was thirty two. Jason Kidd was thirty seven. Jason Terry was thirty three. <laughs> Marion was thirty two. Like Brendan Haywood was thirty one. Butler was thirty. Like these are all dudes over thirty. Like Jason Kidd's thirty seven years old. So like. I don't blame them for like letting the veterans go and to saying, you know, because imagine if they did get Darren Williams, like you got your next star alongside Dirk, you have your Robin then, and that's what you swung the fences for. And whatever you want to say, they looked in the future more and said, you know what, that next year, Dwight Howard, Andrew Bynum, some bigs, some young bigs were going to be free agents. And if you're committed to Tyson, you couldn't chase them then. However you want to think about that. But yeah, I mean, I just... 
it obviously didn't work looking at hindsight, but I think there was some type of looking back of saying, man, look at this young OKC team. Even look at these young Grizzlies. The Lakers and Spurs and stuff are still there, and the Heat are just getting started. We know that this team probably isn't getting back to the finals, so why bring it back? Let's... I, it might not be the popular choice among fans, but let's cut bait on some of this stuff and let's swing for the fences at a prospect or a couple prospects that could get us back to that spot in Dirk's prime. Yeah, it's what the NBA is all about. You have to get multiple stars together, you know, all throughout the, the league, all throughout the league's history. They've had multiple stars, you know, on championship teams. You know, you go back to like the, you know, Kareem and Magic, Bird, McHale, and Parrish. You even go back to Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. You know, you go back to, you know, like any single team you look at, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, just you have to have multiple guys. And there's very few teams that you look back and say, you know, Isaiah Thomas's Pistons. You look back at, you know, the Chauncey Billups, you know, that whole, you know, the 2004 Pistons who were kind of an anomaly. Uh, and then the Mavericks, the Dirk Nowitzki Mavericks, were one of those teams that you look back and they're like, they had one guy and they did it with one guy, like one superstar and then like, you know, overqualified role players around him. And that's not underselling Jason Terry at all and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler. Overqualified like, role players. They were, they were are, good, good players. And they had incredible seasons. But for you to sit back and say, we should have brought back 33-year-old, you know, because when I say, you know, Kidd and Terry, that very next offseason, they obviously let, you know, Kidd went to New York and Jason Terry went to Boston. So, like, those, you know, it kind of played on each other of these older, you know, vets moving on. And so, like... I, I just don't with that like it it all like you didn't have that second star for Dirk and so when it comes into I know we've we never like officially asked the question before heading into the segment we kind of led into it what happens if they lost in 2012 nothing nothing different yeah like in my opinion nothing different and that that's what I was saying a while ago when you started to say it's almost like these moves and stuff I literally <laughs> have what happens if they lost in 2011 I'm like Nothing different. As far as roster moves. Like, as far as roster moves, it seems like that's exactly what they would do. And if you look at those moves that they made, like bringing in Lamar Odom, bringing in Vince Carter, Delonte West, like, those moves are are what a a team that's looking into the future. Like, bigs aren't as aren't as important. You still have like your Tim Duncans, but they're getting older. You have, now you have these kids in, in, you know, OKC that are like all these wings. You know, you have, uh, the guys in you guys in in Miami that have Chris Bosh playing five at some points, you know, like you, the bigs are getting less. That, this is probably about the time in the NBA when bigs started becoming less important. Now they're becoming more important now because we have guys coming, an influx of super talented dudes coming into the league. But it wasn't as much. Uh, that didn't happen as much back then, you know. Probably what is this now? Seven, eight years ago. Yeah, and uh, and so this is about the point, and so. The bigger question that I have, and it wasn't as much roster moves, but the bigger question I have with what if the Mavericks lost in 2011, what does this do for Dirk's legacy? Yeah, like legacy stuff, franchise and Dirk, it's like, huge. What like, is How is Dirk looked at if they don't win that title? Because he got so much respect. Because if you look at Dirk's career before then, the biggest thing that people are, are, are always going to remember is even bigger probably than 2006 is him winning the MVP and losing in the first round. Yeah. And if they don't win in 2011, that could be the last thing people look at. The biggest moment of his career could be that. Yeah. And he's going to be, if he doesn't. Yeah. So when I said nothing changes, I meant like roster wise, obviously didn't mean legacy. Like 
legacy for Dirk is looked at a lot different because immediately he is put into that Charles Barkley type of he's um, he, he's really Carl Malone, right? Yeah, well, it's different with Carl Malone because I feel like there there are a decent amount of people out there that think that say that they would take Carl Malone over Dirk right now, and well, not Dirk right now. has a has a title. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Malone looks in pretty good shape right now, but um, but no, like legacy, <laughs> legacy wise for sure, he would just be viewed as this like all time legend, great scorer who wasn't a team player, you know that you know couldn't put a team on his back and win a title. That would be like his thing of if he didn't win in two thousand eleven. But that yeah. two thousand eleven title showed the just how awesome and like great of a player he truly was, and. Because the you know a lot of these other guys that don't have rings they couldn't do that so yeah you look back at Dirk and he just gets so much respect just from that that one single you know uh, title it's, it's it's incredible what that did for his career it really you know makes a legacy but with Dirk though you also have a lot of the um he's the greatest European player ever and he still gets that and he probably that probably helps his legacy as well you know people will still remember him as probably the greatest European player ever even if he doesn't win the title right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people will still look at Petrovic and say like, "Oh, Drazen Petrovic was the best player ever," but he he wasn't long enough. You know, Dirk's career yeah. spans. Some so people much might long. try to make a Pau Gasol argument, but I still take Dirk. Just because they, they just throw out the two titles, like they just yeah. throw out the two titles with Kobe, and that would be it. <laughs> but the, and then the uh, oh, and then the gold medal with Pau Gasol. They'd bring that up too. Yeah. But, uh, and another thing too, like to think about if they kept Tyson, Tyson gets his number retired, and he is already gosh, he's already he's the all, best center in Mavericks history. Yeah, and he's already thought of so highly within the organization and of Mavs fans. But if he stays up until like this point, or at least five or six season with the Mavericks, he will hold a lot of those you know records for big men for the Mavericks probably. His number would be hanging in the rafters for the most part, whether you think he should or not now with two only two seasons in Dallas. Two separate um, seasons, not yeah, even two, two separate consecutive seasons. seasons. So, uh, and then, like, when you look at Berea, Berea is already – we've talked about this on a previous pod, and I even wrote a piece last year, I was still a fan side, about how Berea should get his number retired. Berea is already up there, and after this season, will be up there in some crazy, like – all-time games played for the Mavericks and like some other you know franchise leaders and stats he's gonna be he's creeping up those lists if he didn't go to Minnesota he would be even higher on those lists and it would probably guarantee his number in the rafters I think it should be there anyway like not even a debate anyway but like so for their legacies both of them both of their numbers are probably in the rafters if they stay gosh that's pretty wild yeah so and like the two bigger pictures, what happens if they if they lost 2011? I don't think anything anything changes for the most part as a roster wise. I think Rick Carlisle is no longer the coach if they lose in 2011. I think that since that's interesting, you, you don't have that. that. That's job security for for you know for however long you know your your owner values that championship. You know, yeah. like you get that kind of uh, clout with an owner if you win that championship. You can always go back like to this bolstra. I mean, I know Spolster. I mean, he's a good like, coach, but but like think about the 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 coaches that have won titles and how much that that 
Like in football, you know, I'm a diehard Ra- think about, Raven. Think about Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is probably the biggest one right now. Yeah. Guy that well, won like, a title. I was thinking about like title that like buys you job security with that oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ravens like, is a good one. I'm like diehard Ravens fan, but like, you know, John Harbaugh, when we won that title against the 49ers, that bought him that like stability. And yeah. I love Harbaugh. Like, I love him. But like this past season was the first season. <laughs> I wish season. he was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him. Uh, but, like, this past season was the first season that, like, Biscotti, our owner and stuff, is like, you know, he's on the hot seat kind of. Like, he was pretty open about it. And it's like, that was, like, five years ago. You know, it's, like, bought him five years, and we haven't made the playoffs in, like, you know, three or four years. And it's like, it buys you that security. And, like, Rick Carlisle, he's a great, great, great coach. And it's not, like, underselling his value. But, like, look at some of these guys that have won – that have won titles over the past decade, and are they still there? Not like Pop's still there. Obviously, Carlisle's still there. Spolstra's still there. Tyron Lou. Stop. I mean, he won the title. That's going to yeah. give him clout, and that's going to give him job security. Yeah, he put up with LeBron, too. So, like, that's a, you know. <laughs> Rowing in your shots. It's not even about him. He's in the other conference at this point still. I I wonder how long and obviously I don't know this. How long did Doc Rivers stay with Boston after he won a title? What was his choice to leave? I think that's true. That's true. That's true. So like, what was you know what was the shortest tenure for a coach to win a title and then he leave? Not a coach of the year because George Carl <laughs> and Dwayne Casey. Uh, yeah, Dwayne Casey. But like to, to win a title and then you stick around. So like Carl I think, loses. I think it's got to be Larry Brown for the uh, that, that Pistons, Pistons team because he, he just didn't stay anywhere. Yeah. Ever. Didn't stay at SMU. <laughs> yeah, he wins the, the title in 04. Then they go to the Eastern Conference Championship in 05. And then he leaves and goes to the Knicks the year after that. Hmm. Interesting. So, like, in the, the other He big was the picture, Bobcats coach. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big picture is what happens if they kept the team together. Rock, like, playoff success... I don't think anything changes. I think they still creep into the play. If they kept all the guys, I think they still get into the playoffs. They get put out here and there. But I don't think if they kept this squad together, I don't think they reach the finals again. And, like, that's – I'm sure some Mavs fan will come at me and be like, you're so stupid. Like, you're underselling this championship team. I'm, like, I love that team. That's one of the best sports memories of my, like, whole life. Yeah. Um, but I'm also realistic that they're, you know, like – just and they're about, aging too. Who knows if one of those yeah. guys would fall off? Now we and saw guys about, go to other places and not not work out. And I'm all about finding that second star. Like they once Luca gets going, that over the next year or two they have to. We have the Mavericks have to figure out if Luca is everything that everybody thinks he is. Is Dennis Smith Jr. the star that should be alongside Luca? I think that's what Minnesota has to figure out right now. Like Minnesota has to figure out that right now with Carl Anthony Towns, who is going to be like if I'm if I'm Minnesota, I'm putting everything on the table to try to get that second star for Towns. I'm going to Portland and saying, what can we do with like Jimmy Butler or Andrew Wiggins or anything for C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard? I'm going to somebody and saying, how can I get another young star alongside Towns? Like, not a disgruntled Jimmy Butler, whatever, that's already, like, 30 or whatever. But, like, another young star with Towns. Like, you, that means so much. That 2011 Mavericks team is not happening in this NBA ever again. 
to where you have one main star. You got to have multiple ones. And Cuban and them saw that in 2011, and they saw these other teams in Miami and this young OKC team and said, you know what? We're going to push the fan favorites aside, and we're going to go all in these next few summers and saying, how can we form our own team and get our own second and third star alongside Dirk? Obviously, it didn't work out. And that's what you got to figure out now. And if Luke is that next version, they gotta, they're got they going to be in the same boat of figuring out who can be our next star alongside of him moving forward. Yeah, and I think the NBA just has way more way more talented players than it did in uh, like even in 2011. There's just so many teams that have at least one guy. You know, where back then I don't even yeah. think a lot of teams didn't. You had teams like you know, like the Sixers team that 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 made the the playoffs that year. I think that was the last time the play the Sixers made the playoffs before the uh, they uh, trusted the process. But they had like Andre Iguodala, who's like their one guy. And like, do you think Oladipo right now is better than Iguodala? Was then probably oh gosh, what a random hard question. <laughs> 2018 Oladipo versus 2011 Philly Iguodala on the Sixers. Like I don't know. I, I mean, I I think he's better, but uh, you start looking back and just the, the league has so many talented players and they're all kind of pooling <laughs> in different spots. Yeah, and it's it's when you get that transcendent star, you only have so much time. Whether you think he might leave, I mean, like with the Bucks and Giannis and. However you want to think of Devin Booker, like Phoenix could be sitting there saying, hey, if they think Devin Booker's on the same level as like, um, you know, a Towns, uh, you know, a, a Giannis, something like that, they're sitting there looking and saying, you know what, hopefully, De- like he is. hopefully DeAndre Ayton is our next star alongside of him. Like this is this is the next piece. And if you can't figure that out, Milwaukee is sweating right now every single day the clock is ticking until that they can prove this to Giannis and scared that he might leave for another star so like I don't blame teams for going all in on another on trying to get a star and that's why going back to our original topic this this what if is not one of them that I will say and say man this pisses me off about the Mavericks the Steve Nashman yeah it does (laughs) it does it's very very frustrating and there's one here and there but like this one, I think they made the right move. As much as like your heart tugs towards Tyson and Berea and Deshaun Stevenson, friend of the podcast. Yes. Um, but, you know, so anyway, that's uh, it's been fun looking back today. It's been fun looking back. I'm, uh, I'm glad we figured it all out. I'm glad we unearthed the uh, Delonte West stuck his finger Gordon Hayward's ear and got fined $25,000 story. I'm glad we, glad we brought that one back into the light. Um, I'm glad we got to talk about Lamar Odom again. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lamar Odom! I didn't even write his name down one single time in my little notes. I thought that was significant because that was their big move. Really, that was their big retooling move. So there you go. That's our what if. Uh, that's kind of how these are going to go. Just me and Isaac just talking about random things, writing stuff down. <laughs> got random notes on things, and so we'll keep doing this the rest of this week and next week, and uh, then we'll do our mailbag next Friday with all kinds of different what ifs and. We're, uh, we're excited to talk about them. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.